Lord Jesus, we just turn this time over to you, Lord. By your spirit, fill us, Lord, and use us, Father, to uh, bring a message to each and every person, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, over the past few weeks, Pastor Doug has been challenging us to be a part of the co-mission for Christ, amen? To be his ambassadors to a dying world, to leave our comfort zones and to be witnesses for Jesus wherever he places us, to make the most of every opportunity and make disciples for Christ. In the midst of a culture that has lost its way, we need to step up as priests, prophets, and princes, praying always for the kingdom to be expanded here on earth. And two weeks ago, our missionaries to Spain, Bruce and Pam, shared this. Our difficult situations are really invitations and opportunities from God to unleash a pandemic of love for God, for one another, and for the world. And I believe that God has led me to this passage in Ephesians today, in Ephesians chapter 5. If you want to open your Bible to that right now, I believe God has led me to this passage to remind us of some critical truths for us to be able to walk worthy of the call. Thank you. I'll do this now. So if you're in uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, let's read that together. starting with verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You know, I believe that these passages have power for us to be able to walk worthy of the call, to be part of that co-mission uh, with Christ. And the first source of power that we walk in is that we walk in wisdom. It says, a walk in wisdom. In chapter 4 and 5, Paul has already told the Ephesians that a real believer will walk worthily, he'll walk humbly, He'll walk in unity, separated from the world's ways. He'll walk in love, and he'll walk in light. And now he tells them that they ought to walk in wisdom, not as unwise men, but as wise. We are to live like the people that we really are. We're to grow practically in what we possess positionally in Jesus Christ. The book of Proverbs begins with the benefits of wisdoms and how to find wisdom. The word of God is the source of wisdom and we need to walk worthy. If you want to turn back to Proverbs chapter 2. I guess I should have put a little thing in there. 
But that's okay. I'm right with you guys, right? Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 says this. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It says we're to seek his wisdom to be able to make our daily choices. We need to be able to have the word of God in us so that we can make the right choices with his wisdom, not our own wisdom. The book Pilgrim's Progress was a, is a Christian allegory. And the meaning of allegory is that it has two levels of significance. On the surface, it follows a man named Christian as he leaves the city of destruction and he journeys to a place called the Celestial City. And on the way, he encounters various roadblocks and fearsome creatures along the way. But on a deeper level, Pilgrim's Progress charts the journey of an average Christian, you and me, as they strive to leave behind their destructive, sinful ways and get to heaven. Pilgrim's Progress shows us how to walk in wisdom, carefully and accurately, obeying or disobeying, heeding or ignoring, following or departing from God's divine path. God has set boundaries to our lives and our opportunity for service exists only within those boundaries. We need to fill our lives with the wisdom found in God's word, amen? Amen. The next key to walking in wisdom is that we must maximize the time. If you go on in in chapter uh, five, it, it says we need to make the most of the opportunity. It translates, it's a Greek word that can mean to seize the time, to buy back in the marketplace at the expense of personal watchfulness and self-denial, giving things up to buy it back for yourself. It carries the idea of redeeming something of great value. Wisdom is of great value. Making the most of every, time, every moment that we live is of great value to us. I've been listening to a new song on the radio by Zach Williams called Less of Me. And at the end of the service, we're gonna have it played afterwards, so make sure you listen for that. But in it, he tells us about making the most of, his, of our time. It goes like this. Oh, I have days that I lose the fight. Try my best, but I just don't get it right. Where I talk a talk that I don't walk. I miss the moments right before my eyes. Somebody with a hurt that I could have helped. Somebody with a hand that I could have held when I just can't see past myself, oh Lord, help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith, a little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. 
Lord, help us not to miss the divine appointments that you have orchestrated in our lives to touch people and to change the world. 16th century reformer Philip Melanchthon said this, he kept a record of every wasted moment and he took that list to God in confession at the end of every day. There is no assurance of tomorrow. The only time that we can be sure of having is what we have at the moment. Help me be a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. Help me make the most of my time. Amen? And then Paul goes on to say that the days are evil. (laughs) Can you say amen to that? In this month's Decision Magazine, Anne Graham Lotz had a Bible study on Psalm 37. If you get a moment, just read through that. And there's, there's four points that she makes in that. And let me tell you what she's talking about. It's called When the Wicked Flourish. If we are living in a world at the end of human history as we have known it, then the wicked may actually increase in prosperity. Temporarily, lies may win out over truth. Hate may win out over love. And wrong may win out over right. Things may get worse before they get dramatically, ultimately, and permanently better. Now is the time to prepare. Not by stockpiling guns or food, but by trusting in the Lord, by waiting on the Lord, by walking with the Lord, and by hiding in the Lord. We need to be strong enough in our faith that God can use us to strengthen and encourage one another. Amen? And then he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The ability to bring things together and to see them in relation to one another. To be able to think and reason. We need to be able to think and reason. Education is important for each and every one of us. Karl Barth said this, the saints are encouraged to make use of their reasoning power. God has given us the ability to learn and to think for ourselves and we must use our minds wisely. To the extent that we do not accept any part of God's word, to that extent, we are foolish. Walking in wisdom requires that we think and meditate on the word of God daily. And it says we are to understand what the will of God is. God's word reveals it, I think, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And I'm, I'm gonna sing for you in just a second here. There's an old chorus that's based on those passages. Rejoice, always pray, constantly give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Can you try and sing it with me? Rejoice, always pray, constantly give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you're not sure, you can just look at that passage in Scripture because it's basically that same thing. But that's God's will for us, amen? That's God's will for us. And John MacArthur put it this way, God's will for us, first of all, is to be saved. 
that we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, it's very simple. You just have to admit your sins, come to him and ask for forgiveness. He forgives you and he cleanses you of all unrighteousness and you become part of the family of God. You become part of Grace Fellowship. You become part of the church universal just by asking God to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life. It's that simple. And other people here can tell you more about it. If you're interested in that, ask somebody, how do I become a Christian? And they'll be glad to spend some time with you. But that's the first thing. We need to be saved. And then the second thing John MacArthur says is that we need to be filled with the Spirit. And we need to be sanctified day by day becoming more like Jesus. And we need to be submitted to one another. We need to put ourselves under the authority of someone else's needs and desires. And we need to be giving thanks always. Lord, help us to walk in wisdom. Help us to walk in wisdom. That's what it means to walk in wisdom. The next power source is critical to walking worthy of the call. Going back to Ephesians We need to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. But do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul starts out by telling the Ephesians, first of all, not to be drunk with wine. In the city of Ephesus, there is a temple to the god Dionysius. And uh, in that temple, they had drunkenness and sexual excess going on. In worship to their God. They came to church and they got drunk and had a party. That was basically what those Ephesian believers had been pulled out of. Many of the Ephesian believers were saved out of this debauchery. That drunkenness is a mark of the blind and foolish man who is a slave to the material world. Drunkenness produces an inability to preserve your self-control and it forces you to commit many distasteful acts. A lot of people have gone through that. Uh, people that are in AA now realize the, the power that drunkenness had in their lives. God can break through that. God can give you release from that. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Don't allow that. Don't, who is in control of your life? The idea here is who is in control, not wine, but the Spirit. Paul tells them to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. The indwelling Spirit of God should continually control and dominate the life of the believer. The verb that's used there, being filled with the Spirit, it, it is a present, passive, imperative verb in the Greek. Let me break that down for you. Imperative means it's a command. We need to do this. It is required of every believer to be filled with the Spirit. Amen? You are required to do it. It's not optional. Second thing is that it's passive. 
Willing submission is required. It's be being kept filled. The Holy Spirit does the filling. You don't have to do anything. The Holy Spirit comes into you. He fills you. But we need to be submitted to that. We need to allow it to happen into our lives. And then the third thing is that it is con, uh, <clears throat> continual. It is uh, a continual action in the presence. Be being filled. It's not just something that happened at one time in the past, but it's a continual action. Be being filled day in and day out, moment by moment, seeking to be filled. We can rejoice in past fillings and hope for future fillings, but we can only live in the present filling. Amen? At Pentecost, it was the coming of the Holy Spirit that made real the promises of Jesus Christ. Unless you are being filled with the Holy Spirit, you will live a life of spiritual weakness, retardation, frustration, and defeat. The Holy Spirit is not optional. It's got to be something that we have in our lives every day. Amen? The Greek word for filled also has three nuances of meaning. One, one of the ways that that word was used is uh, a sail of a boat being filled and driven to its destination. We need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to drive us to our destination, like Pilgrim's Progress, to get to the celestial city. We need to allow that. The second part of it is concerning salt that permeates uh, and flavors meat to preserve it and flavor it. Our lives should be so permeated by the Spirit that everything we think, say, and do will reflect Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We need to be permeated by the Holy Spirit so that the Lord, people can taste and see that the Lord is good. And then the last part of that word speaks of total control, domination by the Spirit. You know, I've been speaking here for quite a few minutes and my gloves haven't done anything. I was hoping they'd get some work done. I brought them so that they could get some work done. They haven't done a thing. Why do you think? Well, let me tell you, John MacArthur says this. The Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit can be compared to a glove. Until it is filled by the hand, the glove is powerless and useless. It is designed to do work, but it can do no work by itself. It works only as the hand controls it. You have to have the hand in it. The glove's only work is the hand's work. It does not ask the hand to give it an assignment and then try to do the assignment without the hand, nor does it boast or brag about what it is used to do because it knows that the hand deserves all the credit. 
1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15 reminds us that a Christian can accomplish no more without being filled with the Holy Spirit than a glove can be accomplished without being filled with a hand. Anything he manages to do is wood, hay, and stubble that amounts to nothing and will eventually be burned up. Functioning in the flesh produces absolutely nothing of spiritual value. Pastor Doug said last week, we are God's workmanship. No, we're his masterpiece, amen? We are his masterpiece. We've been created for good works, but those works require being filled with the Spirit. It's not our methodology, but it's, our, it's the spirit, uh, it's the spirit-filled lives that empower us to love God, to love others, and to change the world. Amen? Amen. Colossians 3.16 says, to be filled with the spirit is to be filled with God's word. Just as Paul alluded to earlier that we needed to understand the will of God by understanding his word, so being filled by the Spirit is to be filled by his word. Spurgeon says this, the Christian's blood should be bibbling, bleeding scripture wherever he may be pricked or cut. Do you bleed scripture? Then you haven't got enough. You've got to have that. We should always seek to be filled with the Spirit, walking thought by thought, decision by decision, act by act, under the Spirit's control and domination. And then the last three verses of Ephesians shows us the consequences of a Spirit-filled life. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, our lives should reflect these three attributes. Let's go back to that. First of all, a heart that sings praise. Verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. That next source of power is walking in worship. Wasn't it wonderful to come back here? This is the first time I've been back worshiping together with you all. And it was amazing. It brought a tear to my eye. That one of those last songs, how faithful he is. It is amazing how faithful God is. He never has left us. He's been with us all the time. He is so good. And just being able to worship together in the Lord was such a blessing this morning. But that's what he says. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs will come forth from our voices and our instruments, making melody with your heart. Hypocrisy can neither praise nor please the Lord. Our hearts must be right, spirit-controlled for authentic praise and worship. A spirit-filled life is a life filled with praise and worship. Nothing, it means nothing without the heart. I remember that song by Michael W. Smith, uh, The Heart of Worship, you know, Lord, take me back to that heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. We have to have our heart right. Music has always played a very important part in my life. 
I was a band director for 10 years. I was a, a, a worship leader in our church in 29 Palms. I was a choir director uh, in several churches. I led an orchestra at another church that we, we were at. I, I've been involved with praise and worship all of my life since becoming a Christian. And worship and praise is, is an outflowing of being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you worship and praise, you're allowing the Spirit to control you, to dominate you, to move you wherever He will, to permeate you. Worship and praise is important. We've got something coming up here in a few weeks, right? The 16th, isn't it? Yeah. Be there. Just come and allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to worship God from spirit and truth. Amen? That's a power source. Then the next thing, verse 20 says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. The second consequence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we will always be giving thanks for all things. It is in Jesus' name that we give thanks to God the Father through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's the Trinity, isn't it? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are three levels of thankfulness. One, when we're blessed. Where it's very easy to be thankful then, isn't it? When God blesses you, when you get an extra check in the mail, when things go your way at work, gosh, it's easy to bless God and to give thanks, isn't it? And we do that with, without even thinking. The second way of blessing is when we don't see it happen. We're waiting for the victory, and we are believing by faith that it will happen, amen? There's a lot of times that we need to be thankful for those things. No, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to keep waiting. I'm going to keep waiting because one of these days, God is going to answer that. But I'm going to be thankful now for it. Amen? And then the third kind of, of being thankfulness is when it doesn't happen. We prayed for my wife to be healed of lupus and fibromyalgia for over 20 years. It hasn't happened. So we're thanking God that she gets to live with it and that she can bless people in spite of that. There are things in our lives that we need to give thanks to God for that may never change, but God is always with us. Thankfulness is not something that you feel. Johnny Erickson Tata said, giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. It is a matter of obedience. Yes, Lord, I will give thanks always for all things. Amen? And then finally, in verse 21, it says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Finally, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, our lives should be characterized by being submissive to the needs of others. It's a military term that's being used there. It's lining up under the, the, the boss, lining up under the, the general, and being a part of the army, and, and doing what the army says to do. That's, that's where that term comes from and is used mostly. But we're to be in subject to one another. Remember last week? 
what Pastor Doug was telling us about, giving up our own rights to be submitted to one another, to be devoted to one another, to, to love one another. All of the one another passages in the Bible, if, if you want to do a great study, look up all the places where you see one another and do <laughs> what it says. Amen. That's the hard part, yeah. But we are to be uh, submitted to one another. And it's great that this passage goes right into uh, talking about husbands and wives and bosses and, and workers and, and children and, and parents. Submission starts with us being submitted to one another. And that's why we can submit to our spouses. That's why we could submit to our children. That's why we could submit to our bosses. That's why children submit to their parents. Submission starts here in being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, in, in conclusion, you know, as we look to fulfill Jesus' commission in our lives, to walk worthy of the call, help us to remember to walk in wisdom by being filled with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Spirit of God to so control our lives that we're willing to step out of our comfort zones and reach a dying world for Jesus. As Zach Williams said in his song, we need to be more like Jesus and less like me. Don't forget to listen to that afterwards. We need more mercy, we need more grace, we need more love to characterize our lives. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us each and every moment of each and every day. We need to worship and praise, giving thanks always and submitting ourselves one to another. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power that is in your word. Thank you for the wisdom that is in your word. Thank you for the spirit that fills us day in and day out, that empowers us to be the masterpiece that you've called us to be, Lord. Thank you, Father, for worship and praise. Thank you for allowing us to give thanks in all circumstances. And Lord, help us to submit ourselves one to another for the good of Jesus Christ. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.